Welcome to Pro AV Now by MarketScale, your source for the latest news and innovations in the audiovisual world straight from industry professionals. Now, here's your host. Well, hello and welcome to Pro AV Now, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Starks, and today we have a guest with us who knows his way around a soundboard. His company has installed and run sound for countless companies, and he has run and or he has run um, and installed sound for the 2006 and the 2010 Olympics. He's the co-owner of Soundcheck Technologies, Mr. Lance Gordon. Lance, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Good to be here. Well, well, we're glad you're here. Uh, so let's just start off talking about you a little bit. How did you get involved in the AV world? <laughs> uh, well, it's been a long road. You know, it's, you know, kind of typical of any, uh, you know, teenage kid, you know, you're enamored by your favorite rock and roll band. So you want to, you know, be in a band. So, you know, I, I, I never was really musically inclined. So, you know, I, I, uh, that's where all the parties were, the girls, everything. So, you know, I, I was in a band and so we, you know, do these gigs and, you know, uh, I, I built my own lighting system, you know, I learned audio, did all that stuff. And then, you know, all of a sudden, uh, a band said, Hey, let's go to California and get rich. And so I'm like, let's rich and famous. Let's go. So we, I moved to California, ended up, uh, you know, long story short, ended up working with a bunch of the hair bands of the eighties, you know, Motley Crue, Poison, uh, you know, LA Guns, Guns N' Roses, all those bands just, you know, just doing one-offs and, uh, Ended up uh, kind of getting tired of living in L.A., so moved back to Texas. You know, I'm a country boy, so I wanted to be be on, you know, in the country more, a little more. And uh, started working with Country Acts. Uh, uh, I started my own company, my own lighting company here in San Antonio. Literally, my first client was Clint Black. And, uh, you know, did a lot of, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I actually uh, was the production manager, a production manager at this club that had a lot of national acts. I mean, Garth Brooks, uh, Shania Twain, uh, you know, Diamond Rio, all these bands would come and I was kind of the guy at the point man that, you know, get everything loaded in, hung, you know, all that, even though they came in with their own techs, I was there to kind of deal with all that kind of stuff. As that developed, you know, I just, uh, you know, just you, your name gets out there and then you start working with other production companies as a freelancer, just doing this and that, you know, big festivals, uh, you know, just, and then, uh, I picked up a few corporate clients along the way that I've had for, you know, uh, 25 years or so, you know, just, uh, uh, taking care of their production needs and, you know, uh, multimedia, you know, sound lights, you know, a little bit of everything. And, uh, I actually got into, I was going to go on tour with Eddie Rabbit. And this was, I'm going to say, about 1990. And his son passed away. So the tour got canceled. My church had contacted me about coming in and working. And I, I really wasn't interested in working at a church. But I, just for fun, I went out and checked it out. And they had a pretty nice little TV facility. And I said, well, hey, listen, you know, this tour got canceled. I'll come in part-time. and and, and help out, you know, do what I can do. And, you know, they were paying me obviously, but I was just going in on like Wednesdays and Sundays. I'd do rehearsals and then I'd do the show on Sunday. Do, you know, multi-track. And I really didn't know much about TV audio. 
and uh, had a couple of really good teachers, uh, Dale Hill and Don Lawrence were there and uh, gave me a lot of uh, things to, to build on. And uh, before you knew it, within, you know, six, eight months, I was the director of broadcast audio there. It just kind of became a full-time job. Did that for a while. Wasn't used to being in the same place for very long, so I got uh, happy feet and decided I wanted to go out on the road and ended up uh, heading out with uh, some big evangelists. And we went literally, you know, all over the country doing every big stadium and dome and uh, a guy named T.D. Jakes, as a matter of fact, who's there out of Dallas. Right. And uh, uh, toured with him for a while and, uh, you know, uh, taught a lot of classes, you know, being in that particular realm and being on that scale, all the churches wanted their guys to do, you know, create the sound that we had created. So ended up going in, doing a lot of training classes. And even though I'm not much of a teacher, I, you know, I'd go in and just kind of try to, you know, uh, show them how to do it, you know, how, how to do it, you know, plan and, and stuff. And, uh, uh, one, you know, did that for many years. And then, um, in 1999, the San Antonio Spurs were in the, uh, NBA finals. And I got a call to go out just kind of on an emergency to help with one of the Nickelodeon shows. So I went out and had never really done sports and they found out I was from San Antonio and boom, here I am. I'm doing pretty much nothing but sports now. And, uh, you know, have, you know, like I said, I've done Super Bowls, World Series, uh, All-Star, you know, NBA All-Star, Baseball All-Star, you know, in, in some, I'm never, I, I've never really been the big main mixer because, you know, Fox and those guys, they have their guys, but I was, you know, always mixing some sort of show that wraps around whatever show. And, uh, you know, got a chance to go do the Olympics, went to Torino. That was my first Olympics, uh, in 2006. And uh, it was quite an experience. Uh, we got nom nominated for an Emmy on that one as well. NASCAR beat us out. Oh. Uh, yeah. Then, uh, you know, came back from those Olympics, and it's like, you know, you do one Olympic, and my phone just started ringing off the hook, and, you know, everybody wanted me to, you know, mix whatever. You know, I had some good friends that, you know, pushed me along the way, some, like, you know, good mentors and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, then uh, went on to do the 2010 Olympics where we did win the Emmy. Um, and, you know, I've done other shows that have been nominated for Emmys. And, you know, we've, you know, I've been nominated like six times. Just won one, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just won one. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you're talking about how you, you know, do sound for a whole bunch of different industries and different organizations and companies and things like that. But one thing that I'm noticing is that you, you started off doing in-house sound and you kind of switched over to doing broadcasting. Broadcasting sounds an entirely different animal, isn't it? It is a, an entirely different animal. You, you, you know, you, you actually hear more, you have more to take into consideration, you know, uh, you know, you've got transmission, you've got, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, your, your levels have to be constant. Uh, it's not just about, you know, making it sound good. You have to make it sound good and be at a certain sound level. And, uh, you know, you have effects mics, you have so many more, you don't have to worry about feedback and, you know, you're, you're mixing in. So like, you know, I mix Bellator MMA where the competition to UFC, which 
fairly large show. I've got 29 mics around the cage. Wow. You know, not to mention I have two announce booths. I've got an English and a Spanish. I have a Spanish submixer. He mixes that. But, you know, we've just got, you know, then I got crowd mics. I got camera mics, you know, just, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I still do a little bit of PA for WWE. I'm the fill-in mixer. Uh, I, I still do a little PA. And having that TV background, it helps with the PA a little bit. It actually right. helps. Well, let's talk about the uh, the industry as a whole, you know, and, and the technology, you know, in recent years, um, you know, technology around the sound world has just exploded when it comes to sound equipment and things oh, like yeah, that. But yeah. we, we've gone from, you know, running cable to each specific input. Now you've got things like digital snakes and cat five that can be used and all that. How's that benefited you? It's uh, benefited greatly. You know, you're not running in, you know, 10,000 pounds of copper. You know, you're you're running, you know, multi, you know, multi-core fiber, you know, that has, mm-hmm. you know, TAC-12, TAC-16, you know, whatever. You know, you got 16 strands of fiber, you know, or 12 strands of fiber, and you can run, you know, you can do, you know, uh, one way or, you know, two direction. You know, it's just, and it's one cable instead of 15, you know, and then you also have the... Uh, you know the new the the newest thing to really uh, kind of revolutionize audio is Dante, and that's basically on fiber, you know, and you know Cat Five. So it, everything's a switch now, you know it, it. And you know you got intercom belt packs that you plug in here. Well, maybe it doesn't need to be here today. It needs to be over there on the other side of the ring. You put it over there, and it shows up. No matter where you plug it in, it shows up as the same thing because it's addressed to that Dante address. And so, you know, Dante is, you know, just uh, it's a, a new it's it's the wave of the future as far as audio transport. You know, and that's one of the things that I've seen that in the digital consoles. When I started doing television, it was all analog. Everything was analog. And, you know, I'm an old school guy. I like the analog desk and everything. And. The the 2006 Olympics really caused me to embrace the digital world because I did not understand it. It was <clears throat> it was just so over my head. But yeah, I had some good teachers, and we uh, it it all becomes virtual. You know, this fader can be this, it can be this, or it can be this, or you can move this block of faders over here so that you can work on this block of faders. You know, so it it just really makes it. It just you know your desk now becomes a huge tool. And, you know, like you know, the the uh, Apollo I mix on for Bellator, it's, you know, it's like 1,200 potential faders. It's, you know, 144 faders on top, wow. 10 layers deep. You know, and about the deepest I've ever gotten is three layers. But still, that's that's a lot that you could not do even 15 years ago. And it's, yeah, it's just, you know, we're, I, you know, on this show, I've got, I'm, I'm almost 100 multi-tracks. Uh, 24 of, I'm using 24 of 36 subgroups. I have eight main outputs. Each output can either be stereo. It can be, it can be stereo and mono five, one, you know, so you've got, so, you know, a lot of these shows you're mixing multiple shows at the same time. You know, you've got your domestic, you have your Spanish, you have your international, you have your world. And each one goes to a different market depending on, you know, who's buying it, you know, the world generally feeds the world and, you know, they, they take it and it goes to, you know, 160 countries or whatever. Well, you mentioned a little bit ago, um, 
the belt pack com links. And that brings to mind an entirely different question. It's not just you that's running the sound. You've probably got a team of people that are working towards this that you're having to communicate with while running the show. How does that work? Yeah. I have anywhere from from three to, you know, depending on the size of the show, I can have, you know, 20 uh, assistants out in the field with their specific, you know, I've got an RF guy, I've got a booth guy, I've got a Spanish guy, you know, uh, I've got a comms guy. And, you know, some of these shows, and that's another thing that's changed in this business, you know, I used to do audio and comms, which means, you know, you get in the computer and you program all the intercoms. But now it's gotten so, communication is so critical that a lot of these bigger shows, you have to have a comms guy because I can't do everything. I just physically can't do it. There's just too much to do. And so you have to have that comms guy. He generally sits behind me in the, uh, in the audio suite, you know, and, uh, uh, but yeah, to, to answer your question, yes, yeah, so you got guys that have their specific role and then you have utilities which run all the cables and stuff like that and, you know, get the cables where they need to be. Right. Right. Well, so back to the technology and this one may be a loaded question. It may be easy, but it may be difficult depending on all the stuff you, you know, use on a daily basis. But in the past few years, what is probably, if you had to choose, what's the one piece of technology that's made your career that much easier? Uh, I'd have to say the digital desk. The digital desk is just, it's that and the, uh, the Hydra, which is basically, it's a it's a it's a it's Calrex version of fiber, and it it only works with Calrex consoles. Which my you know that's that's ninety percent of the consoles you see in the United States. Now you go overseas, you got all kind of different stuff. You you know you've got Studers, you've got uh, uh, you know Digicos, you have all these different, and and they have their version of fiber. You know you have a fiber, or, you know that to where the old. The, I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but no the old fiber, you, you, you would set it out and then you'd set the gains out on the fiber box. And then I would set the gains on at the truck, you know, to kind of match them. And then you go in and, you know, if the gain has to be changed, somebody would have to run to one of those boxes and change the gains. Now with the Hydra, the interactive fiber, they link directly to the desk. And if I turn my preamp up, it turns it up on the, on the fiber. If I, if I hit phantom power on that channel strip, it activates the, the phantom on the fiber. Wow. So that has just revel that's revolutionized what we do. What would have been three potential steps is now suddenly one. <laughs> it's one step. Yeah. And it just, the stuff is just rock solid and it works. Wow. Wow. Well, Hey, you know what, Lance, thank you so much for being with us today it's been an absolute pleasure getting to talk to you because i i like to do some sound stuff and you know lighting and stuff here and there as well so it's nice to be able to talk to somebody that does this you know as a career and knows exactly yeah. what they're talking about <laughs> well, well, very very cool i got you know, like i say i got so much to say but it's like you know i i, I have a tendency to get ahead of myself when i'm talking technology because it's it is so broad and so massive and it's fun to talk about you know yeah it is <laughs> It's yeah, a you lot should of see a bunch of TV about. guys getting together. We can't talk about regular things. All we do is talk about audio and lighting, and, <laughs> you know, production and motors and screens and, you know, so. Oh, well. But uh, all right. Well, good. Yeah, this is I, I enjoyed talking to you and hopefully it helps, you know, you know, uh, in some so. way. Very much so. We've been very glad that you've been able to join us today and we hope you continue to do well. Great. Thanks, Daniel. 
You've been listening to Pro AV Now by Market Scale. Join us every Wednesday for new episodes featuring conversations with industry leaders as we unpack the latest in everything from LED all the way to digital content. You can find us at marketscale.com and also on iTunes. Pro AV Now, your home for everything B2B and professional audio visual. We'll see you next time.